Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. Every week we do our best to take questions from our church family and answer them from a biblical worldview. And all of us here have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church. Doug Melton's our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. My name is Daniel Snow. I get to be pastor to young adults. If this podcast is helpful to you, please know that you can pass it along to someone uh, who may be thinking about some of these questions or you can subscribe so you always get the latest episode. But, uh, but hey, we wanted to just start off today by asking Doug just a quick personal question. He is recently back from some time away and just wanted to ask what was your favorite part of that time away. Okay, well, I've got to answer it in two ways because the first two weeks we were in Florida with son, daughter-in-law, and grandkids. And yeah. so, man, that's always grandchildren. I'm telling you, that is something, it is not overhyped. What, <laughs> whatever anyone's ever told you, yes. It's, it's worth tr- keeping it, your children alive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And then on the, on the second two weeks, Boy, I love Oklahoma. I love living in this state. I was born in Oklahoma, but you forget how beautiful the mountains are. Yeah. And so to, for my wife and I to be able to drive on a single lane, you know, the cliff on mm-hmm. one side, which that wasn't her favorite part yeah. of the game, but, <laughs> yeah. but then to get out and start walking and just to see, oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. So that, that was really wonderful. That's awesome. It is so pretty. Okay. So. Doug, we're actually going to start with you for the question today, and the question is, why is there a strong temptation to worship safety, even for Christians, and is there such a thing as good risk? Oh, man. So right now, in the midst of all that we're dealing with, what a great question, and it's and it's because I think a lot of people are thinking, how do I balance a concern for my own well-being Mm-hmm. with what Scripture calls us to, the admonition to not neglect the gathering of ourselves together and and mm-hmm. to actually not sequester that to be in the world but not of the world. And so I think people really are trying to balance that right now. And, and the way I would answer it is uh, I think it's rooted in the age-old issue of the fight that is within us of putting ourselves first that fight to not put ourselves mm-hmm. first. Uh, when when Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. And that is the huge <laughs> struggle of the Christian yeah. life is, Lord, I'm not here for me. I'm not here for my safety. I am here for your glory, for your honor. Uh, Jesus did not come for safety's sake. Right. Uh, he came to empty himself and was obedient even unto death on the cross. What his his life was not a safe life. Now, what we balance that with is we're also not supposed to put the Lord our God to test. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to test him with, oh well, then if I'm not here for sin, then I guess I can just do whatever I want to do and and uh, not wear a mask and do all those things. And and that's not it either. It is a balance of understanding, Lord, my life is in your hands, and you've not called me for safety's sake. You've called me for holiness' sake. And at the same time, this body that you've given me is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I am to take care of it. It's your creation. It's not my creation. I'm not in control. And so, Lord, I'm going to exercise 
good judgment. I'm going to ask you for wisdom. Should I go into this place? Um, all of us as ministers here have been asked to come by the bedside mm-hmm. of someone who is dying of something that could be contagious. And uh, do we say to them, no, I'm not going to do that because I put myself, we, we die to ourself, and Lord, my life is in your hands. I'm not going to put you to the test, but Lord, if you're calling me to do this, then I'm going to go for your namesake. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. good. Yeah, I agree. You know, we we do tend to value our own safety. You know, there, I think that's part of a preservation instinct that that's uh, just natural to us. But you look at how willing Jesus was to be around lepers, who, mm-hmm. which was a death sentence at that time. But yet he would not only be near them, but touch them, you know, anoint them, pray for them for healing. So, and uh, I, I, I think you're right. We just have to be wise and be willing to go wherever the Lord leads us and be with whoever the Lord leads us to be with. That's right. Randy, our entire international missions, mm-hmm. Uh, our our key person is Lottie Moon. Right. There's no way we could say she lived a safe life. Oh, no. Right. As a single woman going on the other side of the world, she was constantly giving up the food that she needed to eat in order to feed others. Um, And so is there good risk? I think there is. Mm-hmm. I think every time we step into a car with our teenage son, Daniel, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the daughter right now, but yeah, that's right. There's there's good risk that we have to weigh and understand. Lord, I I don't want to be uh, the word I want to say is willy nilly with my life, which I'm sorry, I, that's just the word that first part. Yeah. We don't yeah. want to be reckless. Yeah with our life, but at the same time, we can't just stay inside. That's right. In fact, I think I would go so far as to even say that we can't follow Christ fully without without an entertaining risk. Yeah. I think the Christian life calls for risk. Yeah. To, to, the thought of not risking means that we think that we can calculate the outcome. And, and absolutely, we should calculate the possibilities, but the ultimate issue is, what do you want me to do, Lord? Right. So, okay, Randy, next question is, what are the differences between Sheol, Abaddon, Hades, Hell, Purgatory, and the Lake of Fire? Okay, really good questions. I mean, those are all... Uh, except for purgatory, they're all terms used in our in scripture. Uh, Sheol, Abaddon, and the term that's often translated hell, which is Gehenna. Those he said those are... way better than I did. I don't know if anybody <laughs> noticed that. Uh, all the listeners out there, um, Randy pronounced that the proper way. I just wanted to let you know. If you just say it with authority and quickly, everyone assumes you know what you're doing. Man, did. it sounded good. But, uh, but those are all Hebrew terms. And, uh, and Sheol and Abaddon, like in Job 26, are really used interchangeably. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the word itself, Sheol, 
kind of it comes from this idea of a cavern and it was basically sort of the abode of the dead it was it was just a terminology used in hebrew for where a person's spirit goes when they mm. when they when they die but it was also used in conjunction with this idea of uh of torment because abaddon literally means a destruction and so it was uh it was seen as a counterpart to heaven Okay, uh, and so uh, then you get to the Greek, the New Testament, and we—that's when we start seeing the term Hades used most most often, uh, and that's just a transliteration of the Greek word Hades with a breathing mark over mm. it. And so we get Hades from that, but it's also used as the opposite of heaven. And in fact, you know, probably most famously when Jesus was talking about the rich man and Lazarus, and right. he was contrasting the two eternal destinies of mm-hmm. these men. Hades, that was the term he used where the rich man, while being tormented in Hades, looked up and saw uh, saw uh, Lazarus in, in Abraham's bosom. So it was, um, you know, it's obviously a term that we understand to mean a place of torment and punishment for those who are who die outside of, of God's will. Mm-hmm. The term that KJV uses a lot for hell, hell is actually like comes from sort of a Nordic, uh, it's an old English word, and it's usually used to translate. Sometimes the term Hades is translated hell in some modern translations, but usually it's the 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 Greek word Gehenna. And in fact, when Doug and I just came back from Israel in you know in March or in, in February, when with a team that we took over there, uh, a tour team, there there's this valley, the Valley of Henna, and mm. and and it was the place where trash, dead bodies, corpses were taken mm. and and burned to to you know obviously to try to keep the odor and all right, and the right. bugs and all that uh, down. But that was the visual, that, that, that visual teaching mm. uh, element that, that the Lord used when he would refer to this place of eternal judgment. And, and so that, that would have conjured up into any inhabitant of Jerusalem or surrounding area, this idea of, of smoke, of fire, of, of torment, mm. you know, of just, and it, and it never went out. I mean, that wasn't a, it was well, it wasn't like we burn a brush pile now, yeah. you know, okay, it's a cool day, let's go burn the brush pile. No, it was a constant burning, a constant, you know, that sickening smell of mm. burning flesh and trash. So uh, so that would have been the, uh, this idea of this was, the, this is, this is a, a visual example of what awaits those who die outside of, of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ outside of, of God's will. The fiery lake, again, we pull that up same in the same area of, uh, of revelations where we're talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And it is literally that place that is, that is defined as a place reserved for Satan and his demons. And, and in revelations 21, all whose name is not found uh, in the book of life. And that, uh, you know, it is given un- appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. And when that judgment happens, that's the way people are going to be judged. Have you a saving relationship with Jesus Christ or not? That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah. And those who are, who do have, are welcomed into that 
heaven, what we call, what we refer to as this paradise. Those who are not are cast into the lake of fire. Now, uh, to clarify the, the concept of purgatory, purgatory is not a term that's found in Scripture. Uh, it is, uh, for the most part, it is it is something that is a construct or a teaching of Roman Catholic uh, theology. And it was, in my opinion, it was a term coined because their theology longed for, wanted, tried to create this idea of something in between heaven and hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's it's a concept more of construct of human thought yeah. rather than biblical yeah. worldview, and uh, and so it's not something that we as as Baptists and in fact I don't know of any non Catholic mm-hmm. uh, Christian religion that embraces this concept of a, of a purgatory where somebody can pay for sins after death. Yeah. Uh, we know the, the the biblical teaching is that a person is confronted by God in their sin while they're alive and prior to death they they have to come to make a choice to repent and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ or to reject the offer of grace in in Jesus Christ, and then upon death, that decision is made. There's yeah. no more. There's no more option after that. The that. judgment, correct. And then your eternal abode is either in one of these hell, which is really a synonymous with all of these other terms that we've used, or in heaven uh, in that relationship with with the Father. Gotcha. Okay. I learned so much in that last seven minutes. I'm not kidding. That's good. Yeah. That's good stuff. A lot of those terms, and we read them, but not exactly for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I do want to clarify, Matthew, when Jesus taught about uh, about Hades, he talked about it. In fact, you remember Peter's great confession, you know, and he would say, you know, uh, uh, you know, up on this rock I build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell Cannot will not prevail against it, you know. He presented even Jesus presented hell as just like the new heaven and the new earth has gates. Hell has gates. Mm-hmm. It it is a it is a place. It's not some sort of a philosophical construct of the absence of God. It is a real place that God created yeah. as a place of eternal punishment for those who choose rebellion against his will and his uh, and his love those who reject him are choosing to go to a real place of torment just like those who follow him are choosing to go to a real place of eternal uh, of eternal presence with god that's good awesome thank you randy okay and so last question it's one i've got and it is what is civil disobedience and when is it okay? And another great question. So kind of let me just boil it down like this. As creator, God has creator rights. He has rights over all that he has made. He has, And that includes humans. That includes us. So that means that God is our highest authority, period. He is our highest authority. Now, appropriate human authority 
is our second highest authority. And we see that for sure in places like Romans 13 um, and, and elsewhere. It doesn't only apply to government-type authority, but, but others, employers, um, teachers, if we're taking classes, that kind of thing. And so, so appropriate human authority is our second highest authority. And as long as human authorities don't require me to do something against God, I should be one of the best students, employees, citizens that they've ever seen. Uh, because uh, due to other scriptures, I realize that as I am um, obeying their authority, I'm ultimately obeying God's authority That's right. because he placed them there. And so as long as they're not requiring me to do something against God, I should serve God and obey God by serving and obeying these human authorities. However, if a human authority requires me to do something against God, who is the highest authority, I should respectfully disobey. Um, I should respectfully disobey them in order to obey God. And when I do that, I also need to willingly face the temporary consequences. That's right. And so, uh, and I, I wish I could draw it on a on a chart just for people to see, but it's a real simple idea. And that is, if God's the highest authority, and and human authorities, appropriate human authorities, are are under Him, and I'm under them. Well, as long as those things are all lined up, again, I should be the best student, employee, citizen that that I can possibly be, ultimately to honor God. However, if if that human authority wants to step out from under God and wants to ask me to go with them and require things over here outside of God's authority and and God's will, that's when I need to say, you know what, I'm actually going to stay right here under God's authority and keep doing my best to obey Him. And I realize there are going to be consequences, temporary consequences for that. Um, And and that can be all kinds of things. Sometimes those are just being kind of disrespected by someone or by an authority figure. Sometimes um, it can be much more than that, and we know that's true. Sometimes it can mean jail. Sometimes it can mean worse. It's not just theoretical, um, even in, in our day and time, um, in, in all kinds of situations. Uh, and our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing these kinds of situations every day in places where, uh, and where they're being told, uh, bow down or else. And, and we see it in scripture. Uh, and I'll just point to two places. The book of Daniel has a bunch of examples, but just one that's, that's really awesome. I think to think of is with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when King Nebuchadnezzar had made basically an idol a big statue. Everybody was supposed to to literally bow down and worship this statue when when the band played, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of their allegiance to God Almighty, said, no. "I mean, they literally stood when everyone else bowed, and they sort of stood out in that moment, and they got arrested for it. They brought brought him before Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he said, i 'I'm going to give you one more chance.'" to do the right thing in his mind and bow down. And this is what they said. Uh, Verse 16 of chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, this is 
probably the most powerful human authority on earth at this moment. And they said to him, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so in this moment, they're, they're, they're counting the cost, and they're saying we are, our highest allegiance is to God, it, right. even if it means we have to disobey you in this moment. Similar thing happens with, uh, with some of the apostles in Acts chapter 4, and they're brought before the Sanhedrin for sharing and, and being witnesses in the name of Jesus. And it, the, these authorities who had authority over them, I mean, they could throw them in prison or worse, and they say to them, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so in that moment, they're saying, we know what you're telling us, and we know there may be consequences for it, but we, we are compelled to obey God Almighty in this moment because you're asking us to disobey Him, and we can't. And so, so that, I think, is... Just kind of a summary of civil disobedience. Well, I think that's good. And I want to use a quick story in, in, in my life because I, I want folks to understand of something I believe that we should not do. And that is, I was asked to pray at a Thunder basketball game years ago, and you, you, you bring a written, uh, your prayer written out so that they can approve it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the prayer, I, I ended by saying, In Jesus' name, I pray. And they said to me, you, you can't say the name of Jesus. Okay, at that point, I have two options. One is to agree to their guidelines, which is, okay, I'll leave out the name of Jesus. Or my second option is I decline to pray. Because an option is not to say, okay, I'll leave it out. And then when I have the microphone in my hand, go right. ahead and say the name right. of Jesus. Even, and under the guise that I'm not going to do that. Right. That's wrong. Yeah, that that does not adorn the gospel. Mm-hmm. We, I think, sometimes people think, oh, well, okay, well, I told them I wouldn't say it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway because they can't tell me what's. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. I have two options: either follow their guidelines or say, "Well, I decline to pray." And so, those in our church know that my response was, "I, I said, okay, well, then I, I'll decline to pray." Yeah, right. And so that, yeah. I just wanted to make that's a that. good point, real good point. It doesn't give us the um, the license to do something dis- even more disrespectful that's to exactly them. Right. That's unnecessary. That's right. No, I think that's very good. Yeah, and and in that civil div- disobedience, you know, that idea is we conduct ourselves whether we are having to be disobedient because civil authority is asking something wrong of us or not. Our conduct is still of a godly nature. Mm-hmm. Like you said, even in disobedience, we want people to see Christ in our conduct. Uh, you know, we, we never want to act in a way that's vengeful or, uh, or that doesn't honor 
the Lord. Yeah, so good. good. Okay, well, just want to thank you guys, as always, for a chance to talk together. Thanks, Jeremy, for producing the podcast. And thank you for listening out there wherever you're at and for making time to listen to this podcast, whether you're driving down the street, mowing the lawn, whatever. Uh, just know we love the questions and, and you can put them, you can submit them in three ways. Three questions podcast at myshbc.com is the email and that's with the number three. Or you can go to myshbc.com slash contact or you can text 505 258 2076. All questions will be kept anonymous. And please remember, the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.